Nyata. Hello, it's Alison here from a little church in southwest Victoria called Sanctuary. Bitch. It's a vicious taunt. And every time I hear it, I'm left enraged and gutted, gasping, reeling, which is exactly what the taunter wants. It's meant to silence, and mostly it works, for it tells me that the speaker doesn't see me as fully human. There seems no point in continuing the relationship, so I stay silent and move away. So it's devastating to read the story in Mark's Gospel, in which Jesus calls a woman a dog. He was tired, he needed a break, he didn't want to be disturbed. She bursts into the house demanding healing for her daughter, and he snapped. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it isn't fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. And there's no nice way to interpret this. Dogs in the first century, and in many cultures even now, are not domesticated pets. They're not house-trained, they aren't carried around in handbags, they aren't washed or clipped or groomed. Instead, they're wild scavengers living on the streets, snarling over the scraps. They're rabid, flea-bitten, their butts are full of worms. When they feel cornered, they snarl and they bite. If you see a dog, you cross the road to avoid it, and if there are kids on the street, you hurry them inside. And dog is what Jesus calls this woman. Many commentators say that this is not really a bad thing, or maybe it's a bit of a joke said with a twinkle to tease the woman or to test the disciples. Actually, no. The only person who could believe it's okay to call a woman a dog is someone who's never at risk of being called a bitch themselves, and who has no interest in those of us who are. Take it from me, a woman who's been called a bitch a number of times. It's an insult. This is not gentle Jesus, meek and mild. It's asshole Jesus, a product of his culture, an entitled young man who thinks his gifts should be limited to his own people who has contempt for those beyond his tribe and who verbally bitch-slaps a woman who is making demands on him. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, sings Isaiah, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And we usually relate these words to how Jesus works among people. Usually he helps them see the world clearly. Usually he helps them to hear the good news, Usually he heals their dark and troubled hearts. But not here. Here, it's Jesus' eyes which must be opened. It's Jesus' ears which must be unstopped. It's Jesus' dark and troubled heart which needs healing. And it's the sorrow Phoenician woman who does it for him. For she takes his insult and she slaps him right back, saying, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And Jesus is confronted by his own prejudice, by his rudeness, by his bias and sense of entitlement. He's confronted by his lack of compassion. And amazingly, wonderfully, humbly, he takes it. He lets this woman, this Gentile beyond his ethnic and religious boundaries, teach him about his own faith. His eyes are opened, his ears are unstopped, his heart is blown wide open as he realises. His work extends to all peoples and maybe even beyond.
I say beyond because the gospel writers were intelligent and wise. They loved telling stories and they loved using patterns and symbols to tell stories beyond the written words. They expected us to notice the details and to use details to puzzle new stories out. So we should notice that this story lies between two feeding stories, two occasions when Jesus teaches and feeds thousands of people. Now the first of these takes place in Jewish territory, and there are 12 baskets of leftovers. Numbers are important, and so, being intelligent Bible readers, we are reminded of the 12 tribes of Israel. And we realise that when we gather around Jesus, there's more than enough sustenance for all Israel. But the second feeding story takes place in Gentile territory. And this time the disciples gather up seven baskets of leftovers. And we recall the seven days of creation. And we realise that when we gather around Jesus, there is more than enough sustenance not only for Israel, but for all people, indeed for the whole of creation. And the story of the sorrow Phoenician woman is a pivot point. This is the moment when Jesus' focus shifts from Jewish people to all people, and indeed to the whole earth. And it happens not through study, nor because anyone begs, but because someone stands up to him. For the Syrophoenician woman refused to be silenced by his insult, nor did she grovel. Instead, she pushed back hard, and her word, her logos, her teaching, is the thing which cracked open Jesus' heart. For he says to her, for your teaching, the demon has left your daughter. So what does this tell us? Well, first it says that we should push back against Jesus or any of his representatives who try to limit the good news to some people and not others. If we've been told that we don't belong, that God's gifts of grace and healing are not for us, if we've been told that God hates us and hates our way of life, if we've been silenced in the name of church order or household codes, then this story should give us backbone. It shows that anyone can talk back and demand their place at God's table, even those deemed beyond the religious pale. For as Jesus himself came to understand, in God's eyes there are no barriers to healing, to wholeness or to blessing. They are given unconditionally to everyone. But there's a flip side. Those of us who identify as followers of Jesus are called to be like him. And so this story presents a particular challenge, which is this. If we want to be like Jesus, we must be prepared to listen to people who are beyond our categories of good Christian souls, and we must allow them to teach us about our faith. We must never presume that we fully know the gospel, because Jesus didn't. And if he was open to learning and growing and expanding his faith and ministry, in response to a person who lay outside his gender, religion, ethnicity, someone in fact whom he first insulted and spurned, so we too must be willing to listen and learn and grow and change in response to those people we deem to be beyond the fold. Most obviously, this 
means putting ourselves in positions where we can be taught by Jewish, Muslim and Buddhist people, by agnostics and atheists and by those who've left the church. For straight cisgender Christians, it means listening to gay and trans people and learning from them how dominant theologies are destroying lives and being open to readings of sacred texts which lead not to destruction, but to life and to love and to healing. For some Christians it means learning from a bitch like me, and for others it means learning from conservatives. For all of us, it means learning from those people we might be tempted to diminish, insult or reject. And it means learning from God's other revelation, that is, the land. For Mark shows us that Jesus' conversion is to a ministry extending beyond Israel, beyond Gentiles, to the whole of creation. And this brings me back to Isaiah. Here is your God, calls Isaiah, the one who strengthens the weak, emboldens the fearful, opens eyes, unblocks ears, and inspires the voiceless to sing. Here is your God, calls Isaiah, the one who makes a desert rejoice and blossom, who sends forth waters into the wilderness and streams into the desert. Here is your God, calls Isaiah, the one who reunites people and land into an intimate communion, shimmering with gladness. We began with Jesus insulting a woman, but we end with a beautiful vision of the reconciliation of all creation, male and female, Jew and Gentile, people and land. We end with permission to speak out and a mandate for the powerful to listen. We end with crocuses blossoming, streams flowing, people singing and the land rejoicing. Here is your God, fully human, humbly learning to check his privilege in order to learn and grow, and fully and joyfully and creatively divine, sending streams of living water through dry deserts and dusty old hearts. Let us be formed in this God's image, ever learning, ever growing towards love. Amen. And may God grant you the faith of the woman who refused to be silenced or spurned, and who took her rightful place at the table. May God grant you the humility of Jesus, who listened and learned and grew. And may God grant you the joy of the desert, when the streams flow and the flowers blossom, and the people come dancing home. In the name of Christ. Amen. There's always more to read on our website, that's sanctuarybaptist.org. Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters. If you'd like to support the work of this little church, you can make a donation via PayPal. And you can find the details for this on the website. This recording was made on the lands of the Eastern Ma Nation. In the last few weeks, the air has changed. We have entered the season of Pechan. The breeze is mild, the rain is strong, the emu constellation appears in the sky. Whales are in the bay with their newborn calves. The wattle is flowering. 
Billy buttons are sending up their flower spikes and the bush is bursting with life. The peace of this land, the peace of the land, be with us all. Amen.